Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Mr. Noah, my wonderful, beautiful co-host, how are you doing this Friday evening? I have a headache, but you know what? (laughs) Nothing some fist fights can't help solve, you know? Well, no fist fights for now, but we are going (laughs) to see some guys get half naked and flex. Yes, the second best option. (laughs) I'm actually going to pull it up right now. I'm going to be watching the UFC's official live stream. Yes, sir. I'm going to do a social thing real quick while we get started. Yeah, just to kind of set everything up for anybody listening on Spotify after the fact. This is the Green Room Get Together with your boys, the Below Average Joes. We're just kind of here to watch the ceremonial weigh-ins. Talk about UFC 272. Now it's been a couple days since we've recorded the brunt of our coverage for this event. So a lot going on, Dominic. It has been a busy day today, huh? Hey, how about it though? The whole card made weight this morning. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, huh? I know Greg Hardy was the last one to weigh in. I was getting nervous for him. The man apparently has cut 29 pounds in a matter of like two or three days. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that, that, you know, that'll do it. (laughs) That'll be the way you'll miss as a heavyweight. I'm sure he could talk to, um, forget the gentleman, the heavyweight gentleman that just missed weight, Justin Taffa. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So it wouldn't, it's been weird how before 2021, we never had a heavyweight miss weight even once and then that year we had it twice greg hardy missed weight and then went back cut the last half pound or whatever made it and then justin Toppin missed it outright it was like fuck it <laughs> i ain't got anything left to give that's true that's true so, now dominic Am I coming in loud and clear by the way too sounding good yeah you're not using headphones are you i am not yeah, but I don't know if you could tell by listening. I don't know if you listened to it after the fact, but like that, that's that I just kept hearing that little static the whole time. I don't know what that was. Yeah, just enough to make it pretty annoying. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> now we are here less than 24 hours before our very first fight, Dominic. I'm curious, your excitement level has it increased? Has it de- decreased? I know you're always excited to watch fights, but like, for this card specifically, for this main event specifically, has the excitement level wandered any which direction? Yeah, man, I'm still just as excited as I was. You know, obviously we recorded our preview show and betting show on Wednesday night, and I, I'm just getting more and more excited, I think. I mean, I really think top to bottom, there's some really fun matchups here. I think we're going to see some really fun fights. And then, you know, to cap it off with such a an amazing main event in terms of the storylines and Really, you know, I was sitting at work today trying to just make picks, you know, for me personally, because we don't do the like sharing necessarily anymore. And I'm sitting there looking at the main event and I'm like, man, I really don't know which way this is going to go. I mean, obviously there's the two routes that we kind of discussed, but then if you really break it down more than that, it can go so many different ways. Masvidal's power is always going to be a threat. Colby could even finish the fight. I'm super excited to see how that plays out along with uh, the rest of the card, man. So you're convincing yourself of potential game bread magic, a little game bread uh, 
maybe flying knee in the first five seconds, maybe? Very much so, Noah, if I'm being honest. I, I have a idea. I get this weird feeling something crazy may just happen. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I've, I've been kind of, you know, I said it as much on our preview that I wasn't looking at this main event as one-sided as I felt like a lot of people were expecting it to be as one-sided. I mean, don't get me wrong. Colby Covington is clearly the second best welterweight in the world right now. I mean, he that guy is just a a super talent. Would clearly be champion if Kamaru Usman didn't exist. Right. But I still think Jorge Masvidal is an elite fighter. Like I think a lot of the the 50-45 talk, yes, stylistically it's not the best matchup for Masvidal at all. But with a matchup this heated, this big, I don't necessarily see it playing out just like the X's and O's tell you, like the what a spreadsheet might analyze and tell you 90 times out of 100 is going to happen. I think this is such a such a heated fight, such a big fight, that we're going to see some crazy shit when it all goes down. Dude, I truthfully could not agree more. It's such a – it's just like – it's going to feel like this just rivalry is going to come full, you know, full steam ahead and it's all going to encapsulate into potentially uh, an amazing night and an amazing main event. And honestly, like, you know, main event aside, I guess I'll ask you this question. What fight are you kind of most excited for outside of that main event? It could be prelims. It could be main card. What are you thinking? The fight that I'm most excited for right now. Truthfully, it's that Edson Barboza Bryce Mitchell matchup. I mean, I'd love to give you. There's some great fights low on those prelims. I mean, the early prelims, I get it. They're not names that jump off the page, but as far as the fights, the matchmaking there, I mean, it's just a ten out of ten. But yeah, man. For me, um, when it comes to this Mitchell Barboza matchup, it's literally like. Just so – I have no idea how this fight's going to go. I mean, this is such a step up for Bryce Mitchell. He's going from Andre Feely, who's a good fighter, but never been a top 15 guy, takes over a year yeah. off and is now stepping in with a top 10 Edson Barboza and at times a top five. I mean, a guy who's been a contender in multiple weight classes. He's looked fantastic at featherweight. Yes, he is coming off a loss. To Giga Chikadze, but I mean, Chikadze was, I mean, look at the run he was on at that point. And it's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big jump up for Bryce Mitchell. But then stylistically, Bryce Mitchell is a, this should be a good matchup for him in a way. Like, don't get me wrong, that's a Barboza is such a right. spark plug right. on the feed. He's so electric on the feed. He makes things happen. He's a highlight reel. But Barboza, or excuse me, Mitchell is so opportunistic with his takedowns, so smart with his submission attempts that, and creative, dare I say, that, you know, that could propose a lot of troubles for Barboza, who's never been just that comfortable on his back. Um, that's why, to me, the fact that I just have no idea what's going to happen, I have no idea which way it's going to go, I could see it going a million different ways. That's why it's my. Most anticipated fight on the card. And I'm going to throw the same question to you, Dominic. Yeah, so, I mean, first off, in terms of that, I mean, that's obviously a great matchup. And that is the best thing about it. I don't know what way it is going to go, man. Um, 
I think it's a big fight for both guys to really, you know, if you're Edson, you're looking to kind of make that run to potential get a title shot at 145, something no one really would have thought he could do. And for Bryce, he's trying to jump in there amongst the elite uh, in that division as too, uh, as well after that long layoff, man. But uh, I think <sighs> I'm looking up and down. I got to go. I'm I'm super excited for Jalen Turner, Jamie Malarkey, man. I, I like the idea of, you know, two young studs. They're in the lightweight division. We know how stacked this division is constantly throughout the past few years. So to see, you know, young up-and-coming talent, it's fresh, but they're exciting fighters, they're finishers. I think having these two go toe-to-toe is a very good matchup here. It sucks one's going to have to lose, uh, but I still think regardless there's potential for both guys. And what I love so much about this matchup is both guys came into the UFC and kind of faltered. I mean, they went on losing streaks. I think they both lost their first two fights. But now, you know, for Jalen Turner, he's really starting to put it all together, in my opinion. He's won three in a row. Jamie Malarkey's won two in a row. Both guys have finished all five of those combined fights. I think this is going to be a big, uh, important fight for their careers, you know, in this early portion. And I'm completely, you know, on board with them getting that prelim headliner spot as a result of it, man. Yeah, I think that prelim headliner spot says a lot about what the UFC think of this matchup, not just in terms of where both guys stand. Obviously, you know, both guys have had their losses in UFC, but both riding good winning streaks right now. But also just stylistically, this has got all the makings of a finish, an emphatic, quick fight. And, you know, that's kind of the best fight you can ask for, especially one that's at the top of that prelim. So I completely am with you there. Yeah, man. Now, I want to ask you about – not. I, I'm loving the positivity about this card, UFC 272. You know, it's so fun to be excited about a card. Now, let me ask you about yesterday's press conference because uh, – Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, there was a lot of chatter. Um, I'm not, I'm going to ask you, did you catch it live? If not, did you watch it after the fact? Uh, did you, did you get to see the pre-fight press conference? Um, so I turned it on. I got to see one exchange and immediately turned it off. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, are you serious? Yes, I am very serious. Uh, I, you know, but at the end of the day, it kind of went, how I expected it. I just had a feeling it'd be a bit cringe. There wouldn't be many takeaways from it. It was just going to be a lot of endless trash talk, people interrupting each other. Sometimes you don't even know what they're saying. And that's what it was essentially the whole time based on the highlights that I went back and watched as well. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying it was actually up there for one of the, if not the worst press conferences in UFC history. And Hey, we don't get many great ones these days anyway. And I don't know what kind of expectations we should have for press conferences moving forward. But I think, you know, there's some people out there that probably think this lived up to everything I wanted. And then there's others that are like, what the hell am I watching here? But uh, yeah, that's actually what happened. Funny enough, I was uh, playing Call of Duty with one of our good buddies, Jake, and I uh, turned it on, saw that exchange, and immediately turned it off. And that's when I told him, I said, dude, there's no way I'm watching this whole press conference. I can't do it. Um, whoever was, you know, I would never tell anybody to, you know, I would never try to police someone's enjoyment of something. You know, I, it's not really who I am, but for anybody that did enjoy that press conference, I mean, wow, I, you're a better man than me or a woman than me. I, I, I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, I think I, I said it was the worst press conference of all time, UFC history. Worst. The absolute worst. You know, it's so weird that this this rivalry is so heated. People are so excited for these two. And on their own, they both have really carved paths before this fight. You know, they're they're not characters. I mean, I know Colby kind of does a character, but like who they've carved themselves out to be over the last couple of years, they've shown a lot of personality. They've shown a lot of just star power. You know, Colby Covington obviously has done it in the heelish way where he's tried to get heat on himself. He wants people to not like him. Jorge Masvidal has really leaned mm-hmm. in on his run when he was, you know, doing the Scarface thing, wearing the nice clothes, the Gucci. Um, these guys have shown a lot of yeah. personality. But then when you put them together um, and then they were trying to talk, I mean, it was just talking over each other the whole time. It was just not not really any creative insults. It was just you're a bitch over and over. I mean, truthfully, Dominic, I yes. kind of sat there and I was like, like, did a part of me almost get a little less excited for this fight because of that? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I can see. Maybe that. I, it's hard because I, I, you know, it's hard to judge because again, I'm I'm always just excited each week to watch these cards, but. There was definitely a moment when I sat there and I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, what is this sport that I've decided to <laughs> to become part of? And, you know, you're right. What should we really expect from press conferences is a good assessment because, you know, we I think me and you like to really focus on the sports side. You know, there's – the fight game is, is so many things, especially mm-hmm. in MMA. Like the, it's, a, it's a sport, but it's entertainment at the same time. So it's always – I think we always tend to lean to the sport. We always want that number one contender versus the champion. The entertainment side loves the 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 big uh, money fights right. and the super fights. And, you know, this – I would even go as far to say this matchup is kind of just the best of both worlds. It makes sense in the rankings, but it also makes sense in terms of enjoyment, excitement level, what have you. Um, but I guess with that being Very said, much, yeah. like the pre-fight press conference is just the thing nowadays that truly feels the most like a carnival <laughs> or makes the UFC feel the most like a circus to me is like the pre-fight press conference is just always a shit show. You know, the questions are usually pretty bad. There's usually a lot of antics. Um, you know, you get what you get yesterday where you can't even make out a word anybody's saying because it's just a lot of talking mm-hmm. over, a lot of bitches being thrown around. You know, but there's better ones, obviously, but, you know... The the last time I can remember really being ex- enjoying a press conference was John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. I mean, yeah, that's all. That's quite I mean, some time know. ago, I mean, my friend. I think it all started to realize. I think I started to realize kind of like this really isn't that fun anymore. Watching these when uh, Connor Habib that press conference was pretty rough. And sure, there's been some okay ones since then, but I mean. <laughs> Honestly, like I know the UFC is never going to stop doing it because I know it helps them in some way, but 
man, it has never been the best look. <laughs> yeah, man. And as the they start playing the promo and the show's getting ready, I want to add one more thing on the uh, press conference thing. And it's that uh, I've noticed, especially the uptick in the last year, and especially even like the latter half of 2021 and this year so far, and it's not all media, so I'm getting that out of the way first. But there are some people that just go to this press conference to ask dumb questions, to start more drama, to try and rile, you know, up the fighters. And that just kind of ruins it for me, too, you know. Oh, going after our man in the salmon suit. He would be guy. one of them, I suppose, yes. You're going after pink suit guy, aren't you? The pink suit guy. <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if these are really media people usually asking these questions. I know pink suit guy i believe does work True. for espn um radio or something but um a lot of these people asking questions aren't really media they're i mean maybe they are i don't know but no, nobody that's really all that credible most of the time i mean you do get some good ones you know you get some you'll see the schmo pop up uh um I oh yeah the guy's for name sure from the mac life and stuff will pop up and whatnot but it's really all done. It's like, it just feels like a circus. It's just like, you know, they don't really care like how it looks. It's just for the people that are going to be at the show the next day, it gets their excitement level raised. They're there in person. It gets rowdy. The fight, the, you know, the headliners are there. They're going at it. I mean, that's, it does its job in that way, but to anybody watching at home, woof. <laughs> woof is right, my friend. That is very true. Were the, was there any of that last night, by the way? Was there any, you know, people that came on that mic and did ask a stupid question or something intentionally just to, you know, rile up the two fellas on stage? You know, Dom, there there was, I'm sure, but, oh, man. I mean, not I don't know if a single question really got answered. Like That's true, yeah. I, I feel not, like you just want to get it out of your brain, you I know? I think there was, like, seven questions asked at most. <laughs> During the whole period of time. Yeah, I mean, they asked Dana, which, man, could someone get Dana an ear, like a, an earpiece or something so he can hear better? Because <laughs> I don't know if he's ever been asked a question at one of these that he, and I, and I, and I'm not saying that because I understand he does have hearing loss in one of his ears, but like. <laughs> They'll help him out. I just, someone needs to help this man out because he, every time yeah. he gets asked a question, there's Joe Rogan. He's back for you. Yeah, Joe Rogan is back. Rocking that hat that I can't stand. I can't stand that hat. So. Dude, you know what, though? I feel like you are you could pull that hat off. Thoughts? <laughs> you do have a lot of hair, I guess, but I don't know. Are you saying that because I'm fat, Dom? Is it a fat? Is that a fat? No, Joe hat? Rogan is not fat. That is not what I'm saying. I mean, here's the thing, too. Imagine Dana White came out in the same hat. I mean, come on. It's a bald man's hat. Maybe. It's a bald man's hat, yes. So we'll shave our heads and we'll wear one one day. But I, I, I do remember the person trying to ask Dana the question. It was about, like, will the BMF belt be on the line? And, you know, I know how much you love, Dominic, the idea of the BMF belt being defended. But um, I know, right? it, did take, it did take a little while for that question to get answered. Here we go. First fight of the night. Hey, also Noah here too, between Jacoby and Oleksicek. This is a fight where we both have from the nosebleeds that came out today. 
or on Friday, that is, both have this fight in a parlay, but in the complete opposite spectrum. No, you needed to go the distance. I needed to envy a finish. Come on, what are we doing? We're going one-on-one again. Yeah, I, I, I could see the the processes for both of us when I was listening to that episode. I, For you, you, you go by the stats. You know, you go off of the history of these two fighters. And as like a big, I guess, uh, as a big pull for you and what direction you're going to go. Yeah, for sure. And while, you know, I'm not acting like I don't do that. Maybe I don't. Maybe that's why I keep losing money. But (laughs) for me, I think I typically go more off of just analyzing the matchup, simply guy versus guy. How do I think it's going to go? And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Um, But yeah, I I think it's going to be a fun matchup though. It's a good way to start the card for sure. And then for you know for this one to follow it up, Devontae Smith, Ludovic Klein. We got Devontae, by the way, the Ohio boy. We got to give some love there. This is another one, literally back-to-back fights that could be super fun to start the car. This one, I don't see how it doesn't envy a finish, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, everybody's been saying that, and I can't disagree there. I mean, I, I know I try to go against type sometimes, but this matchup is super explosive. I mean, Devonte Smith absolutely hates decisions. The guys went <laughs> it's so much. So no, he's never even been to one. He doesn't even know what a decision is. I think he's been to one. <laughs> but, oh, man. Uh, it's man. Like you're right though. It's just doesn't like it at all. And Ludovic Klein's not far from that either. I mean, these, these guys are gonna, uh, I think keep it standing. And I think someone's going to get hit with a really clean shot in round one. That's what I think. Yeah, dude. And this is another one, too, in the lightweight division. Two more 155-pounders that are young, up-and-comers, newer to the UFC. I'm telling you, man, fun matchups. Now, here's one to keep your eye on, Dominic, because in the flyweight division, you, my friend, as your dog of the week, have Tim Elliott. So you told the people, hey, to hear Ulan Bekov ain't the real deal. (laughs) <laughs> well, come on. That, that's a stretch. No, but I, I, I hear I, – I understand you completely. I, I love where your head was right, at because right. I, I like Tim Elliott a lot. But my, my thing with Tim Elliott, I don't know, I don't know why it is. He, he, he's just, he lacks a little bit of consistency sometimes. And I, I will admit – Oh, yeah, for sure. For considering the expectations that Tahir had when he came to the UFC. I mean, again, he's one of those Dagestan – He's a trainer, or excuse me, he trained with Habib. I think Islam's actually with him on stage yeah, right now. He had a lot of expectations, obviously, and I don't think his first two appearances in the UFC have quite lived up to that. Um, he's kind of, I mean, he's mm-hmm. squeaked by, he's gotten victories, he's hes shown a well-rounded skill set, but hasn't quite shown to be like a, a level above the competition or anything. Yeah, that's the best way to put it, Speaking I believe. Speaking of Habib. <laughs> yeah, right? That his that cousin, last name looks familiar here. His cousin's coming up here. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, 13-0, rocking. I don't know what that hat's called, but I love it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's Habib, too, with him. I mean, th- that's just dangerous right there. Walking up to the stage feeling dangerous, this duo. Yeah, and the biggest underdog on the card, Brian Boom Kelleher, will be facing him. It's a it's a good test for, for Nurmagomedov at this point in his career. I mean – Oh he's yeah. So dang- and what's so interesting about Kelleher is really the threat that he is in terms of his submissions and all-around wrestling ability. Now, am I necessarily going to look at him as like 
having a wrestling advantage over Nurmagomedov. It's hard to say that, but, you know, Kelleher is, again, both these guys are very well-rounded. I think when you hear Nurmagomedov, you just immediately think wrestling and bear. But right, right, his striking is very good, and Brian Kelleher brings the power. Um, this could go a lot of different directions. I mean, I, I typically think Nurmagomedov is going to get the victory here, but I could see it being – a kickboxing match for three rounds or a lot of grappling transitions. I could see a lot of different ways that fight goes. Yeah, it, it honestly could be a very fun fight. Unpopular what people may think. Here's a rivalry too right here with uh, Marina Moroz and Maria Aga- Agapova. These two women hate each other, Noah. Now, some people have said, Dominic, that this is the only true blood <laughs> shoot on this card. Yeah. Now, Dominic, do you know the backstory here? Because I really don't. So I've heard from what I believe that they both used to train at ATT, funny enough. Something may be in the water there at American Top Team. But I guess Morose has said that uh, Agapova was, like, kicked out of the gym and, like, was always causing issues there. Cops had been called to the, you know, the gym. Yeah, something about drugs. She was, like, on drugs that uh, Morose said anyways. And, you know, so obviously Agapova is calling her a liar. This is all not true. They've been calling each other out for, like, a year at this point. We've, you know, we've seen them go their separate ways. Agapova been more, you know, active recently, especially after that upset loss she had to Shane adopts. And, and honestly, like, these are two women that should – stand and trade, but both are good on the ground, too. I mean, Agapova has very good odds to win by submission worth sprinkling, too, that we didn't even touch on in the nosebleeds. I think this is going to be fun. I actually want to see right here, Noah, when they get in each other's faces. We might get a little shove or two here. We might. Marina Moroz also hasn't fought in two years, something worth watching out for, because Agapova is very explosive right away, very aggressive early. Yes, very. And only 24 years old for Agapova, too. Here we go. Let's see. Dane is nervous. Oh, relatively cool, actually. Speaking of hats, by the way, what's that one? I, you know, I'm well, I want to get a collection. Yeah, we should just wear a different one every episode. What the hell? I just saw a handshake between the two. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Well, that so means maybe. that Colby and Jorge are going to hug then, right? <laughs> I'd like to know the over-under for that. Like, What's the odds for the, for the hug? Not the over-under. That would be. But this is the matchup of the hard to say last names, Dominic. Is uh, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you take the guess yeah. here. Uh, Nikolai Negumarenu versus Kennedy in Chuck Wu. Also, Noah, too. Don't forget, we both have a unit on the underdog here in Nikolai. That was a uh, it was our pick and fight of the week as well on the nosebleeds. Again, we weren't 100 percent sold on Kennedy. Looks good with the cut hair, by the way. But he has that power that just scares Man, me on this I, one. I was watching uh MMA on points video they did today where they kinda go more in depth on the prelims of the pay-per-view. And mm-hmm. on this matchup specifically, I learned a lot about both these two. Uh Kennedy and in Zek in, in, in uh I believe he started <laughs> as a pro in twenty fifteen and then or started training in MMA in 2015. A year later, went pro. A year after that, made his first appearance on the Contender Series. So that's I'm crazy. Look at the size difference, green. by the way. That's what I mean yes. is like he's so fresh into MMA, but he's just so powerful, so big that he kind of can get away with it sometimes. I agree, man. I agree. And here's the rightful start of the main card, even though 
It's on the no potential title eliminator. Jan Zalnan taking on Marina Rodriguez in the strawweight division. I'm really waiting for an announcement for the rematch between Rosnami Yunus and Carlos Barza, Dom. Any word on that? I haven't heard a thing, but I just hope it's soon, man. That's all I know. I know Carla's been waiting forever. Rose has said it's the fight that she wants. She wants to right the wrongs from their inaugural strawweight bout many years ago on the uh, uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Look at Uriah Faber, by the way, in the corner of Jan Janan. I didn't even know that. I think this is actually a really good fight, man. And we're talking two strikers. I know sometimes we're saying that with the women's fights and they'll go to the distances and it isn't too crazy, but these are two high level strikers, especially Marina Rodriguez. She's looking to make it four in a row and earn a title fight. I think this is going to be a really good fight. Well, to be honest, I don't expect a ton of fireworks here. I think these women are very smart. I think that their striking is going to keep them uh, – their defense is going to keep them pretty cautious, but their striking is going to be high output. Um, yes, I, I don't yes. see a finish, though. I mean, I, I said as much on the nosebleeds I put uh, – for Marina Rodriguez to win by decision in one of my two parlays. So, um, and didn't you have it as well as like a single? Yeah, the single prop bet uh, plus 100 for Marina by decision. Now, here comes your matchup that you're most excited for, Dominic, outside the main event. Jamie Malarkey. Is that a new arm tattoo? Half sleeve? Um, that's a good question. I feel like that wasn't there before. I don't know. That's not something that I'm well versed in as a fighter. <laughs> You're not well versed in fighter tattoos, but when hey, when there's a bad one, you can spot one, right? That's for sure. Well, I'll never be able to. I'll never forget the first time I saw Alan Belcher's Johnny Cash portrait that was like on his ribs. Um, yeah, I had to be told it was Johnny Cash because that does not look like the man in black. <laughs> Wait, any tarantulas? No tarantulas no, this time. He didn't around. have one this afternoon either when he weighed in. Uh, so, oh, also, why Jalen Turner's still on the stage here? Look at the size, by the way. Um, I saw him tweet. He said, "Man, I don't know how I make 155 when it comes to fight night tomorrow." He said he's going to be 175, 180 walking into the cage. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And you want to know something about this fight that actually starts our main card, Dominic, between. Sergey Spivak and Greg Hardy, as I believe this is the last fight of Greg Hardy's contract. Oh, boy, and it very well could be the last fight of his UFC career if he loses Noah. Thoughts? I ooh, I would have to agree, but, you know, the UFC have kind of done everything the opposite of what you would expect for them with Greg Hardy. Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of, you know, opinions, and I'm not saying that they aren't deserved. I mean, you can question a lot about the guy's out of the octagon character for sure. And obviously getting that UFC contract before he was probably ready. But as far as on the feet in this heavyweight division, I mean, his explosiveness, his, his athleticism, it is UFC caliber, whether you like it or not. I just don't think he has the well-rounded game to go much further than, you know, his legacy in the UFC at best is probably always going to be that performance with Alexander Volkov where he lost. Right, yeah, we've talked about that a couple of times, and that's very true. Sergey looks so big, by the way, to just be 243. That's interesting. Those are two big dudes. Yeah. Yeah, Greg Hardy is massive. He's so much more thicker, man. Woo! Wow. I mean, he's probably going to weigh 280, 285 
Yeah, he said he walks around at 310. That's insane. Absolutely insane. This is a matchup that I felt very confident in when we talked about on Wednesday. I find myself slowly Uh just coming back to the middle. Uh I I still, like, don't get me wrong. I still think Kevin Holland's going to win this fight. And I I do kind of feel like the matchup is being put together as a showcase matchup, which I called, where matchmaking-wise, it's really not in the best interest of both guys to be put together. But you do it to benefit one guy, in this case, Holland. But, you know, really, Dominic, when you really think about Kevin Holland, as much as I like the guy, as great of a year as he's had, like in 2020, as he's getting all pumped right now, I I hope he likes guy. But Oh, yeah, fan favorite. His style, like, I really feel like he still has a lot to prove, you know, even though he did go, like, 5-0 in 2020. I mean, he's – he he's still a bit unproven, you know, and Alex Oliveira has been there, done that with the best of them. Yeah, man, Th- this this is going to be a fun scrap. I mean, I I'm with you. I'm, I am leaning toward Holland. I'm excited to see him finally in the UFC at 170. But like like you said, Oliveira's been there and done that with a lot of guys. He could pose problems to Holland, man. That's a fun scrap. Yeah, so far it's been smooth sailing, no drama, no. No uh, pushes, no shoves, no, you know, nobody yelling, no Dana looking terrified. Right, right. Um, Bryce Mitchell looking laser focused on this game. Thug nasty. How about the, uh, the, the Venom hooking him up with the camo trunks, by the way? I'm here for it. I mean, uh, anything to get a little more personality in the fighters. I'm, a part of <laughs> I'm curious how people are feeling about Bryce Mitchell coming off his latest performance on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, right. The, out of the octagon stuff, you know, I don't really hold that against people when it comes to their fighting ability. But uh, he was, man, he was really on one that day. That was an interesting interview. Um, he's, there's Edson Barboza. I got a question for you, Noah, real quick, why they're still on the stage here. Nice and calm, nice handshakes. Both look good, by the way. Edson always looks so shredded, man. Is there any yeah, scenario Bryce. you see Bryce Mitchell, for whatever reason, staying on the feet and potentially putting himself in danger against Edson? I mean, do I see him, like, doing that as, like, a calculated, like, game <laughs> plan? No, just maybe he gets a little lackadaisical. Maybe he's he, he shoots for a couple takedowns and Edson stuff. Well, some. Do you think there's a way he could get stuck on the feet and get in trouble? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, if Edson's takedown defense is is in a right is in a good place, I mean, that's going to be a tough night for Bryce Mitchell if he can't get that fight to the ground. It will know, be a beating on the feet for Barboza. Mitchell is making big improvements in his striking every time out. But Edson Barboza is just another level. It's true, man. Man, RDA looks good. Wow. But I definitely think for Bryce Mitchell, it, the game plan is clear. Take the fight to the ground and submit him. If you can't oh, take yeah. him down, oh, yeah. you're going to try to clinch him up, try to trip him, try – you know, Bryce Mitchell's just so – he does a lot of things. With, it's not just takedowns. It's maybe he'll pull guard, you know, like uh, just – I don't know what you call that, but like, you know, pull guard, like jump into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll get a little flying tri- arm triangle choke. Maybe an Eminari roll. Like <laughs> yeah, a little Ferguson. bit of Tony Ferguson in there. Yeah, but I we're getting uh, a video here between the two. I've actually seen this video, I believe. 
I guess that gives us a little bit to talk about RDA Moicano. I still yeah. think that could be a fun um, scrap, man. I do. Well, Vegas seems to think so. The odds makers seem to think that this is a much closer fight. I am still shocked at the respect Moicano's getting. I'm happy about it. I agree. I'm happy about it. But I, I, I think it could have been easy to make RDA a three to one favorite. Oh, oh yeah, the one taking oh, this yeah. fight on just a few days' notice had the cut to 160 pounds in just a couple days. Um, is still going to be fighting a five round fight. Like, and let's not forget that Moicano is an unranked lightweight, and RDA is the number six lightweight in the world. I mean, I'm shocked that they look at it as closely as they do. But part of me makes me think I'm missing something. You know, don't get me wrong. I think Moicano is. Right, great. Like I thought, his last performance against Alexander Hernandez it was my biggest standout of UFC 271. But I wouldn't peg him to be ready for RDA quite yet, and the the odds on that just keep making right. me second right. guess myself. I did put RDA money line in the parlay I mentioned earlier with uh, Marina Rodriguez by decision two leg there, and here we are. They're showing a little promo, obviously, from Osvidal Covington. I mean, listen, we've talked about the storyline in this endlessly. We've talked about the styles endlessly. We even just, you know, kick off this uh, live feed. We talked about how we could see this fight going, and here we are. We're a couple minutes away from seeing the final face off before they're in the cage. I'm, I'm excited, man. There, it does have that big fight feel. It does, and that's what I, I love the most about, you know, with the promotional side of the UFC and how good they do. And they've really hammered this one home a uh, big time this week. Yeah. I just, I, I can't get past that pre-fight presser, man. It just like, <laughs> it just makes me wonder, like, I understand that that's something that you're always going to do. I mean, especially when you have these two guys that hate each other, that are blood rivals, you're going to put a, them on a microphone with one another, right? That's just uh that's like the obvious thing to do, but it just went so poorly that um, honestly, I think my favorite part about the main event is that they aren't able to talk once that fight starts. No more talking. Yeah. Just, just hit each other. That That's the, that's the best part of it, man. That's the beauty of this sport. No matter if there's respect between you, no matter if you hate each other, when you're locked in the cage, there's nothing left to do, but go, go forward, man. One-on-one. Oh man. It's Gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, for for the winner of this matchup, Dominic, I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but both guys do have two losses to the current champ, Kamaru Usman. I mean, for a win, Mm -hmm. I mean, how far away is the winner from a potential third shot at Kamaru Usman? Man, that's such a great question, man, because I I know he said today, or maybe it came out yesterday, but Kamaru's thinking of fighting in July against Leon. Um, so, you know, there's one more fight for him, but you've got that Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Chemaya fight. You have Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque. There are a lot of potential fresh matchups, you know, for Kamaru. Should he stay the champion, that would intrigue him a heck of a lot more than fighting a Masvidal or Covington again. I mean, unless that money is really talking and he just wants to go toward the pay-per-view buys. Come on, Dominic. Dominic, come on. You just said that you think Kamaru is going to be more intrigued by a Bilal or or Vicente Luque fight over fight one of these two a third time? Hey, I only say that because he has shown interest in it before, is this all, is with the, him and Ali. Man, let's not forget, this is the man that just said today that he would uh, knock out 
uh, Canelo Alvarez. So I, I don't. Yeah, that, that was an interesting. Let's, sound let's be clear that I could honestly, Dominic, if Hamzat defeats Gilbert Burns, I think that he'll get that shot after the Leon Usman fight. But the winner of this fight may not fight again and may just be next after that. I mean, I know that that's yeah, not going to be something true. anybody's going to like. Everybody's going to complain about it. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. But it is what it is. I mean, I guess we should talk about for a second. Uh, we did get a little bit of uh, some aggression there, but there, there plenty of security around. Uh, so much security. <laughs> to, to wrangle those two up. Let's see what Jorge says here. I hope you can hear him because I can't. Just a little. Well, he called him a bitch. We 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 probably could have anticipated that. I wonder what the odds would have been on Jorge to call Colby a bitch. You know, I just that's why that's it, it just made me go back and watch the whole Jones DC build up again. And I know those fights, like the Jones won both of them, and then you had the second fight where like he tested positive the next day and blah blah blah. But man, those press conferences, those guys just really knew how to do it. <laughs> they. I mean, some yeah, of those lines true, man. still kind of sting, you know, like DC saying that this, is this dude going to mess up again? You know, and realizing here we are a few years later and he has messed up again. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Um, Very true. Talking about like, uh, you know, DC talking about Jones, you know, doing cocaine and prostitutes. And he said, I beat your ass after doing, after a night of doing cocaine and prostitutes. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was savage, by the way. I will remember that to this day. Like just man. And and the hype video or the, the, what do you call it? Not the cold open, the, the promo video, the hype video that they made for that, the fire. That's the best hype video the UFC's ever made from one of their cards. I know Ariel mentioned that today on the, the green room, uh, session they had earlier as like one of the best and i completely agree that's literally like my favorite one i remember getting chills watching that it made you want to root for john jones and you know obviously that (laughs) can only go so far now yeah i'd love to see what kind of promo they could cut now to make me sway but you never know (laughs) also too with that rivalry they had that little one-on-one sit down in the other room and dc's like dude i wish i could come over there and spit in your face and just there was so much tension in that one for both fights. I mean, don't forget the freaking the one-on-one they had where they, they shoved the meat, the the UFC guy off the stage, and John Jones threw a punch. I mean, that was crazy, both of those fights, man. Yeah, I forget that guy's title, but, man, if you look at his face during that, he looks like a Yes, yes. I mean, someone – we needed a bigger man. I mean, I, whether it's – Dana couldn't be there, fine. Get Dana's – Get Dana's bodyguard, that dude that's like his twin. Get him to step in. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, Colby Covington looking very fired up. I noticed that when he was talking. Dominic, was there anything of note for what either of those two said, or was it just he's a bitch, I'm going to knock his ass out, tune into the pay-per-view tomorrow? You nailed it right on the head there, Noah. That's basically what it was. A lot of a lot of uh... – Yelling at the crowd too, trying to sway the opinions. I'll be curious to see, uh, especially tomorrow night, Saturday night, that is, uh, who's going to get the bigger crowd reception. Cause I know at the press conference, Colby got a pretty big pop and Jorge's always a fan favorite too. I want to see how it is, uh, and during the fight tomorrow. 
this fight's in Jacksonville. No, it? no, this one's in Vegas, T-Mobile. In Vegas, okay. I don't know how I missed that, but uh, well, April's is Jacksonville next month. Yeah, so this one's in Vegas. So I, I know there was a lot of talk about this maybe being in Miami or something, but um, since it's in Vegas, I mean, I'm kind of you see, you act like Colby got a pretty good reception. Well, I mean, at least I saw when he first came on stage yesterday, he did. This one, my volume's down low, so I don't know how the pop was necessarily. You know, I think I think for Kobe, even if people kind of get are tired of him, don't like him, whatever, if you're in attendance, if you're there live, then you know that he's going to bring the drama. He's going to bring the energy. He's going to talk some shit. So maybe there's some excitement just in that. Even if, like... I mean, I know Colby's not like a fan favorite, you know, but maybe there is a positive reception where it's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Because, you know, Colby Covington's going to talk that shit. Yeah, and I almost wonder, too, after, the, you know, the fights he's had with Kamaru that were on such big platforms, especially the one just a few months ago in November, like, you know, when you look at the fights that he's putting on, he's in really fun scraps as of late. So I almost wonder, too, if that kind of helps fans sway a little bit in his favor, you know, occasionally, just because they know, like, he's going to come out and be a dog and put on a good scrap, man. Yeah, I guess he's put on better fights. I mean, I don't know. Was, the the second Kamaru fight was fine. Uh, before that was the Tyron Woodley fight. I don't remember that being all that good. But the first Kamaru <laughs> fight was awesome. But um, I don't know if that's really the reason, though. Like, it just – I feel like it's all that out of out of octagon character for him. Like he's, yeah, he's yeah. really, you know, again, not a lot of people don't like him. They think he's offensive, or they just think he's annoying, or whatever, you know. But um, he he brings people in to watch him. They want to see him lose, or uh, they just want to see him kind of fuck shit up at a press conference or something. So I can't deny that he he brings eyeballs. Yeah, man, it's crazy. We were talking about it too. How he he has kind of asserted himself in there with at least the conversations of Masvidal. I'm not saying he's a mega draw like a Nate, like a Connor, an Izzy, a Jorge, but he has built himself up there. Whether you love him or hate him, he is one of the biggest names in the company, man. Yeah, he's in that level of like a Dustin Poirier mm-hmm. right now, you know. And it's probably even more impressive that Colby's been able to do that because. I mean, he kind of elevated in a way. I, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, what I was going to say, and I don't think it's really fair to say this. That's why I didn't. But in a way, I felt like Colby had elevated Kamaru by association. Like I felt like their rivalry elevated Kamaru. But yeah. I don't know if that's really fair to give Colby credit for Kamaru becoming a bigger star. I think Kamaru's performances have really done that. But their feuds, I, I definitely elevated both of them. Maybe that's the way to put it. You know, that, that could have been Tyron Woodley's spot. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, obviously things didn't go his way there. Um, that would have been interesting. You remember that, Dominic, back when Colby won the interim belt? Tyron Woodley defeated Darren Till around that time when Colby was supposed to fight Tyron for the belt. And, you know, we were all kind of wondering because a lot of people didn't like Colby. And Ty, a lot of people didn't like Tyron. It was like, okay, well, who's going to be the the person we root for here, you know? Right, right. Yeah. 
crazy times, crazy career paths, crazy career trajectories, and now Mosby Doll Covington, head-to-head Saturday night, my friend. So final thoughts before we wrap this up. I just want to, you know, any any lasting thought before we head into UFC 272 tomorrow? I think I'm just ready, man. I think there's going to be some big takeaways from a lot of different fighters. I think we're going to see standout performances. I think we're going to see fun scraps, fun wars, and I'm excited to watch it uh, with some pals and obviously discuss it with you for our weekend recap, man. Obviously, I had a lot of fun on the green room switching it up. You know, whether we're watching a fight, we're watching a press conference, we're watching weigh-ins. I love this platform and what we can continue to do with it. But, Noah, those are my final thoughts. I'm excited. Give me what you're thinking before we head out. Well, I'm thinking about how in an hour and a half I will be watching the PFL Challenge. It's Happy Friday. It's the women's lightweights this week, and I might take a pass on this one. I don't know. Um, Look, uh, I want to support, and I love the PFL. I love what they're doing. I'm using my time to talk about PFL Challenger Series in case you could. Of course. Hey, do it. But um, the more I just keep thinking about this Challenger Series, I just keep wondering, like, what's really – what's going on? Like, what's the purpose of this thing? Because you, it should be obvious right. that it is to give a platform to prospects that you are interested in, let them compete for contracts, so therefore you get to see their fight style. And then for the winners, the ones that really show out that – put on these great performances to bring them in. The PFL hasn't really done any of that. You know, they put this whole thing was kind of screwed from the beginning because they put it on Fubo TV, which. I do agree with that. I think that has hurt them a lot. Yeah, I mean, obviously we wish this was on ESPN plus because would have saved me 65 bucks, but I just feel like Fubo is just (laughs) such a niche uh, thing right now that um, when you have mm-hmm. this, this show concept that is meant to bring more eyes to these prospects, I don't really see how that's happening because it's on Fubo. Like, it's one thing if they were like promoting, like, let's say you had to get Fubo for like a big Kayla Harrison fight or something. It's like, okay, it's almost like a pay per view. It's like you have to get Fubo. Right. So you watch this fight that's got Kayla Harrison versus Julia Budd or whatever, and you know another big fight on there. It would be like almost like a pay per view, but mm-hmm. not. It's just a means to get people on Fubo. But the Challenger series being on there, it's not going to bring. I, I mean, I know I went and got it, but it's not going to get any meaningful buys to Fubo, and I don't really see the people watching it necessarily like I don't think it's really elevating these prospects and then the PFL is kind of making some weird choices with the people they're giving contracts to it's it's a bit of a mess right now and women's lightweight is like oh my god like am I really gonna watch women's lightweights tonight I mean oof, you know I I, I do feel your passion and to be truthful I've seen the same argument on Twitter like in response to the PFL's own page and it's the FUBO thing confuses me even more because they did sign this new deal with ESPN to stay on that platform. Why not utilize that huge platform that it is? I mean, you look at how successful Contender Series has been, and of course now it's on ESPN Plus, and it's such a big deal on Tuesday nights. 
I know the PFL wouldn't necessarily compare numbers wise to that, but surely it would do massive numbers compared to what it's doing on FUBA, man. It's, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. If this even continues to be a thing for the PFL in the coming years. And if it is, if they kind of rethink the ways that they want to not only just produce the show, but just run it in general, man. Yeah, I can't help but like, I think it's positive that they're branching out and having other TV deals. Like being that they're on ESPN, that the UFC is the top dog of, it's hard to feel comfortable on that platform because UFC don't like that. They, you know, they don't like the PFL being on ESPN. They don't like it at all. So, right. You know, you can't feel, you almost feel like the seat's always hot there. So being able to have this deal with Fubo is nice because let's say after this season, if Kayla Harrison's not there or whatever, maybe ESPN doesn't want to keep PFL around. Well, they have a deal with Fubo in place. Maybe they go to Fubo or whatever. Um, I just think that starting with the Challenger series over there, it's just right now it's a little congested. Maybe it'll work itself out, but – Maybe the Challenger Series will eventually move over, or maybe PFL's regular season's going to move over, and then Dominic, we're kind of going to have to suck it up, I think, when it comes to getting Fubo. But you know, like if the Challenger Series was on ESPN Plus, would you watch it? I mean, that's yes, one hundred percent. There it is. I mean, you I know, know, right like, there. I'm not saying that you speak for the masses, but I think that. You know, for hardcore MMA fans, which are really what the PFL is looking for, a lot of people don't want to spend 65 bucks on Fubo TV when, you know, you could get ESPN Plus yeah, for, what, yeah. six bucks a month or something. So, yep. yeah, big difference. I, I may or may not watch it. Maybe I'll live tweet it. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty, Noah. But I am excited for UFC 272. A lot of bangers, a lot of interesting matchups, prospects to look out for, and of course, the main event that everybody's been waiting for: Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. The card starts at 6 p.m., so make sure to tune in. I believe the pre- early prelims start on ESPN Plus, and then I'm assuming the prelims are ESPN Plus or ESPN, and then the main cards ESPN Plus pay per view. Is that? Does that all sound right? That was a perfect promotion right there, my friend. All right. Well, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you next time. See you guys.